listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode. This is your host, John Marcellaro, and this week my guest is Tidbits Managing Editor, Josh Centers. Josh, welcome. Hi, John. Thanks for having me back again. It's nice to have you back. You are uh, the Managing Editor of Tidbits, as well as the author of uh, Take Control Book on Apple TV, co-author of a Take Control Book on Preview, and you published a relatively new book, Take Control of iOS 12, and... This is your fourth appearance on Background Mode. I have so much fun with you. I'm going to keep inviting (laughs) you back. I appreciate it. So for openers, I have planned uh, segment one. I wanted to ask you about foldable smartphones, smoldable, (laughs) smoldable, smartphones. That's what's going to happen when you open and close them real fast. They're going to smolder. (laughs) And iPads. (laughs) So there's been a lot of discussion about it. Uh, Samsung uh, made a big fuss, and Huawei have introduced two phones, the Galaxy Fold and Huawei's Mate 10, I guess, or Mate X. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, uh, and, and, Z- and Xiaomi, if that's how you pronounce it, has shown a three-way folding prototype. Oh, okay. Now, that one I haven't seen. I've seen the... The $2,000 Samsung deal, and I've seen the Huawei phone, and I've seen some interesting concepts. I haven't seen the uh, the uh, Xiaomi. I, I think that's how you pronounce it, Xiaomi. I haven't seen that one. Um, yeah, a lot of people, you know, a lot of Apple people kind of out of the gate, were, uh, they were mocking it, uh, especially the Samsung phone. But um, and, and it's kind of, you know, the Samsung one especially is kind of ugly, but... Uh, I see a lot of potential there. I mean, look, you go back. The first laptops weren't pretty. The first uh, the first smartphones weren't at all pretty. I know I had a PowerBook 100. It was an ugly black brick. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, if you go back to like the late 80s, like uh, like Compaq had something like the the luggables. <laughs> like, you know, the uh, the first portable computers were extremely ugly, and I you know I remember very well the. Uh, the various Windows phones and and Palm smartphones and and uh, Nokia's, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, and yeah, just so I mean, it's not unusual for I mean, it, just just to be blunt, it's not unusual for these technologies to be ugly until Apple gets a hold of them. Um, well, not only but, ugly but expensive and plastic. I've read that yeah. the uh, demos uh, units from Samsung and, and Huawei are plastic polymer, guaranteed to scratch. Ah, the um. Well, I guess they have to be plastic to fold, right? Uh, to bend. Um, well, that's not true. I'm going to get to that in a second. I read a very interesting article at Wired, so we'll we'll follow oh, up okay. about glass. But uh, right now, um, a soft foldable polymer plastic seems to be the way to go. But geez, they're expensive. Yeah the uh, the Samsung I know is about two grand. Uh, do you know how much the Huawei phone? Now the Huawei one looks a lot better. It looks a lot better than the Samsung all the way around. Um, the The Samsung phone has these enormous bezels on the top and bottom. Like it, it's like a, I don't know. It, just, it seems like to be a lot of wasted space when it's in phone mode. And the Huawei phone doesn't seem to have that. It's it's a lot closer to edge to edge. Um, it's a little bulky when it's folded, but not, it doesn't seem quite as bad as the Samsung one, but it's it's hard to tell from pictures and it's hard to tell without really uh, getting your hands on these. I, I think it's safe to say, you, you know, well, I'm not I'm not ready to kick these things. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend anyone pay money for them either unless you just have a lot of money to burn. It's like $2,000. Yeah. 
Well, you mentioned the bezel and the folding and how it looks. That's one of the key issues of the design, is integrating the software and the display uh, technology with the actual physical part of the uh, the phone. You've got to figure out how it's going to look when it's folded and how it's going to look when it's open and how apps are going to gracefully change size, if at all. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, I you know I I've seen a, a concept that I think is really interesting. It's um an artist did this for um is a Dutch industrial uh, Dutch industrial designer Roy Gilsing. He uh, made a like an Apple concept for a foldable iPhone 10. Have, have you seen this? Um, the, uh, the, there's a link on Nine to Five Mac about this. No, it's, I haven't seen that. It's one. called the the iPhone 10 fold and. Um, it, it, it's an interesting example because it shows an iPhone 10 that folds out into uh, a tablet. But what's interesting is there's there's a picture here of the concept where it's folded like a laptop with the keyboard on the bottom and the Notes app on the uh, on the screen side. I'll, I'll, I'll send this to you. You can put it in the show notes. Sidekick. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Shades of sidekick. Yeah. And so I think... Um, you know, I, I think what would be a much more interesting design for these, instead of trying to make a phone that folds into a tablet, which I'm not sure anyone really wants anyway, un- unless they just watch too much HBO. Um, what oh, I have I think, seen that one. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. What, uh, what I think Josh would just be, sent me a link. I'm looking at it. What I think would be more workable, maybe, is imagine an iPad that folds, and so you could fold it into more of a laptop shape. Because there's a lot of times when, you know, like, for instance, let's say you're, you're laying in bed and you're watching a movie. You know, the advantage uh, the advantage there is goes to the laptop because you can just lay a laptop on your stomach or whatever and just lay there and, and, and it props the screen up for you. And the iPad, you have to hold up with your hands or you have to have some kind of uh, – I mean, there's all kinds of different methods people have figured it out to watch an iPad in bed. But if you could fold the screen in half, I mean, granted, you'd be, you know, cutting half your display size off. But you would have the that advantage of uh, it ideally being able to prop itself up, and uh, you know also ergonomically you know, for typing it would uh, be a pretty big improvement. So you know I think there's definitely potential for that for that technology. Um, just just not you know I, I don't think the products we've seen so far are much more than just uh, really expensive commercial prototypes. Well, they're supposed to ship. I read the Samsung one's supposed to ship in April. Oh, okay. So, but do you think that maybe the foldable technology is being rolled out in phones first, which is the wrong place, maybe because uh, the size of the crease and the folding issues are better mechanically handled on a smaller scale first for openers, even though maybe a foldable device is maybe in the end. Maybe best implemented on a iPad or a tablet of some kind. Yeah, exactly. I, I think they're going. I think they're they're using the wrong. I mean, it's it's a neat technology, but I think they have the wrong application. I don't think the best application, at least at this point, is to take a phone and turn it into a tablet. I think I think a better cho- design choice would be to take a tablet and turn it, may, make it more flexible i not, not to, i call it not the be, future uh, foldable phablet <laughs> yeah there you go, there you go. And, and just just to be clear uh you know uh 
the with the set with the Samsung foldable, and I realize it's going to be available on the market. But what I'm saying is you can you can buy it, but it's still a prototype. It's kind of like uh, like the first Apple Watch. You know, <laughs> it was basically a yeah. prototype that you can go to the store and buy. Um, one of those deals, you know, and, 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 you know, that's really common with any new technology is the, the first generation is going to be clunky and buggy and, and a prototype for people with money to burn. And, uh, but there's potential here for sure. One of the things that dawned on me after I wrote an article, I think I'm going to go back and amend it is when you have a, a slab, like a current iPhone 10 S you can wrap a graceful case around it. But how are you going to put a foldable phone into a case and protect it and still have everything work? Mm. Mm. And then that's the plastic display is kind of scratch when you put it in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good question because, uh, I mean, surely there's a way to make a case for it. But it might be, <laughs> it, the case might have to have a hinge, you know? Yeah. Because it folds, the way it folds, it's like the opposite of a book. It folds from, how do I even use the words to describe this? It's like... It's an outward fold instead of an inward fold. Yeah, yeah. All right, see, this is why you make the big bucks. Um, (laughs) That's, (laughs) uh, yeah, so, uh, I I don't know. It's still a weird concept. It's kind of hard to wrap uh, wrap my head around. Hopefully there, yeah. Hopefully there's a solution for that. But see, again, that's why I think the a folding tablet, you know, instead of having a tablet that folds into a kind of a crappy phone, you know, if you have a tablet that could fold into, I don't want to say a tablet that folds into a laptop because that's not quite where I'm going, but mm. like a, a tablet that folds, you know, like so, um, you know, for different situations, like it's always been difficult. You know, Microsoft and Apple have spent a lot of resources at, you know, how do you pair a keyboard with an iPad and make it work on a desk or in your lap? And this is a potential solution if they can get the balance of it right. Because the thing I would be worried about is you would fold, you could fold like a, like an iPad, like a 12.9 inch iPad Pro, and you'd probably have enough space on both, on, on the, the keyboard side and the screen side to work with, but then would it balance correctly or would it be too top heavy and tip over? Right. Um, You know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about mm -hmm. the early uh, notebook computers before the laptops, before Apple got into the game and they all had the keyboard scrunched up against right under the display. Well, no, Mm -hmm. they, no, they were out. They were out at the edge. I'm sorry. Correcting myself. They were out at the edge in the front which seemed like the right thing to do. And then Apple came along and said, no, we need a place to rest our wrist. And so the, just, the keyboard got pushed up against the display and you had a nice handy place for the trackpad in your wrist. I'm wondering if Apple's got something cooked up that they're going to spring on us where we go, oh, yeah, that's the right way to do it. Just like you said, balance, position right. of the keyboard, the way it folds, the way you protect it, and the sizing. I expect Apple to do something imaginative in this area instead of just copy the, the Samsung prototypes. I, I tell you what, if Apple, I'm not going to say they're, I'm not saying they're going to do this, but if Apple happens to actually just copy what Samsung does in this case and not not actually 
redefine it at all. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the old apple's officially dead. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> all the haters would be right because this is such a clunky design, and it's something that could so obviously be improved with a little thought, or better taken advantage of with a little thought. So yeah, if they can't if they can't do better than what Samsung's put out here, then uh, yeah, heaven help us. Yeah, and then there's the issue of plastic versus glass. I read an article at Wired just the other day about wait for glass. Don't buy a plastic foldable phone. And they cited that Corning is working on an ultra-thin bendable glass that's a tenth of a millimeter thick and can bend to a five millimeter radius. So once you've got Corning glass that's folding, a lot less likelihood that you're going to scratch it. Mm. It's going to look better and feel better, too. See, and that, that's probably, you know, if Apple has any designs on this, the, that's probably what they're waiting for. I, I could never yeah. see Apple putting out another plastic screened device mm-hmm. of any kind. Me neither. Yeah, and then giving the market time to assess whether it likes foldable phones or not. Turns out to be a 3D, like 3D television craze. It just fades <laughs> in time. Apple can buy itself time by by putting something really a lot better, a lot more thoughtful on the drawing board while they wait to see if a foldable iPhone actually sells in the marketplace. Yep. Yeah. When I saw the 3D TVs, I knew instantly, I'm like, this is never going to work because, <laughs> you, you know, one of the big things about TV that makes it so successful is that, well, A, it's easy, right? Like any, any idiot can watch TV. I mean, that's what I call an idiot box. And, you know, the, the other point is that it's, um, it, it's a social activity, right? You just all sit around the TV and you watch it and you just stare right. at it. Okay? Right. You know, like when people come in, you're like, hey, let's watch TV. Oh, hey, put these glasses on. Oh, we don't have enough glasses for everybody. Oh, right, because hey, one came in the box and they went $250 for glasses yeah. number two, three, and four. <laughs> yeah. And like, oh, and, and you have to sit, you have to sit in this chair. Oh, no, you can't sit over there. You won't see it right if you sit there. It's just, there's too many asterisks. There's too many. Too many it, headaches. It, it literally, a lot of people. A lot of people were having serious headache issues. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's just there's just way too much friction in that whole thing. But you know, on the other hand, you know, we have something like you know, we we have we have two Nintendo Switches in my house, and so whenever people come over, you know, the cool thing about the Switch is that it's very versatile in that, um, you know, the the Joy Cons can be detached and reattached in different ways. Like you can split them in two and use them as two controllers, or you can put them, you know, use them as one controller. All these, all these different ways to do it. But I feel like every like every game we play, I have to reconfigure them in some way. And so it's interesting, you know, that we'll we'll put up with that process to play Smash Brothers, but people won't put up with that to watch TV, you know, just in general. So just an observation about that. I you know I, I, maybe it's just expectations people. Don't, you know, people expect TV to be frictionless while they're used to some level of finickiness with video games. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I think we've kind of beat foldable phones to death, so that's the end of the first segment. Let's take a break. All right. I'm going to break away here for 60 seconds uh, to a quick commercial, and we'll be back. I'm chatting with Josh Centers. Stay with us. Hello there, all you fabulous background mode listeners. I'm Kelly Gamont with the Mac Observer, and I just want to say a few words about how you can support all the things we do. If you're thinking about buying something from Apple, Amazon, or Mac Mall, just go to the Mac Observer's homepage where we have a section called Support TMO. 
Or you can just enter MacObserver.com forward slash Apple Store, all one word, and that will take you to our special page for Apple and our other affiliates. If you make a purchase from one of our partners this way, the Mac Observer receives a small compensation for sending business their direction. Pretty cool, right? And you don't pay a penny more. This small fee from our affiliates helps us continue to bring you TMO's daily news, reviews, tips, how-tos, and podcasts like this one. So the next time you're thinking about an online purchase, come to TMO's homepage and support the Mac Observer. Thanks. Back to you, John. We're back. I'm chatting with Tidbits Managing Editor, Josh Centers. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about is something I think is near and dear to both of our hearts, and that's Apple's new video streaming service. It's official now. They're going to do something on March 25th. Invites are out. And what's it going to be called? Showtime. Wait, no. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I've been calling it Apple Entertainment Television, AET. I've seen (laughs) Amazon Prime. I've I've even seen the term uh, leaked, Apple TV, which is kind of Apple-esque because they love doing things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Apple TV. Is it iPhone 10 or is it iPhone X? Is it Apple TV software or is it Apple TV hardware? Well, you figure it out. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm going to watch some Apple TV on my Apple TV. Right. Well, right. You, you know, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if if they dropped the Apple TV hardware and, and oh, no. went with, no, no, with no. the service. I wouldn't be terribly surprised. Well, because it's interesting now. They're support. They're, they're adding support to all these different uh, TV brands, and apparently, it's coming to Roku really soon. So I, I don't know. I, I I get the sense that they're getting ready to pivot away. But now, I, now I've been told by people who have little birdies in Apple that I'm mm-hmm. ridiculous and way off the mark. So well, I've, I've been reading about Verizon and 5G, and Verizon has this plan to put a 5G modem in your house, and then. Instead of providing you with a DVR or some sort of cable box to issue you an Apple TV 4K, so that deal's in the works. Mm. Yeah, it's that was and that, my understanding is that was kind of that was always Apple's vision for the Apple TV 4K. Just as they partnered with uh, cell providers to to sell people iPhones, they wanted to partner with cable companies to distribute Apple TVs. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be coming true. So so, so maybe I'm wrong there. But look, I'll just tell you, part of the reason I, I put that rumor out there <laughs> is because I, I want to draw attention to the fact that Apple the Apple is ignoring the Apple TV. You know, and um, I, I, probably should, I, I probably need to update the Apple TV book, but honestly, there's not much reason for me to do so. Like the, the tvOS 12 uh, software notes, I mean, it was like, bug fixes and performance improvements. I mean, like it's a, it's a major new version and there's not much of anything to say, unfortunately. And that's frustrating. And then you see that they're, they're adding support for their services on third party, um, uh, TV sets. And and you put two and two together. It's, you know, it's kind of hard not to draw that conclusion. Right. Um, but I I don't know. I don't, I, 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 let's go into a subroutine here for a second. I know we're going to talk about Apple prime television streaming, but Apple TV, there's nothing more to do with the current model. It, it does 4K, it does Dolby Vision, it does HDR10. It's got, apparently, the guts to do HLC, HLG, Hybrid Log Gamma, when it's ready. So what are you going to do with the Apple TV 4K? Well, how can you modify it 
How can you ex- come out with a version two? I mean, it's already pretty capable. I've got one. It's glorious. The next version will be the Apple TV 8K, I suppose, in a couple years. So I can't see that Apple really needs to update the Apple TV right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to say that. But I don't know. I think that's kind of lame. I mean, I, I know where you're good because I can't think of any way you could improve it either. But uh, it, you know, I'm kind of lame. So, you know, um, that's why I don't work at Apple, right? You know, like, I mean, you, you expect – I mean – this is like the iPhone, right? You know, I mean, you know, the iPhone, once I get to the iPhone 4, I mean, that was pretty much, you know, perfected, right? But then they kept adding stuff to it. So, I mean, I, I think there's always a, there's always room for innovation uh, in that space. What I'm worried about but, is know, the spinning plate syndrome. You get spinning plates fired up. You got the Apple Macintosh and the plates died out in 14, 15, 16. And then they spun the Apple Mac plate up again in 17, 18. And and with the uh, new MacBook Air and the Mac Mini, and then now the Apple TV plate is starting to spin down. And then when Apple television streaming gets fired up, you know, then what else is going to, what order the plates are going to die because they only have so much bandwidth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I think that's, that's part of the problem they have. You know, my, my understanding with Apple... And I'm sure you've heard this too, John. Is is they have a problem with talent? Um, I, 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 that may be getting better. I don't know. It seems like you know, like uh, Elon Musk there for a while is bragging about how many people who's stealing from Apple. Now it seems like the opposite is happening. Um, so maybe that's improving. You know, I'm, I'm always trying to be optimistic. Um, so you know, ho- hopefully we see some some new cool stuff with the Apple TV. I mean, in either case, I am glad they're adding support to those third parties. Um, cause that's just, this is more convenient for everyone. And it also makes Apple's content offerings more accessible. Well, it does telegraph a little bit what Apple's plans are for, uh, what I like to call I am as a Apple prime. Um, there was a rumor a few months ago about how it was going to be available only on Apple devices and it was going to be free. So the carrot there was to get you to buy an Apple device and then you could watch Apple prime free. But if Apple's making Apple TV systems available on these TVs, it sounds as if they're going to make their streaming service available for a cost and everywhere you want to watch it, on your Samsung TV, on your Android phone, on your iPad. You watch it anywhere. You just sign up and pay. So it just could be part of a broader initiative to get ready for Apple Prime. I'm just guessing. What do you think? (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think the fact that they're, that they're rolling out to third party, uh, sets is interesting. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it points to some broader ambition that wasn't people originally thought. And, and we look at like who all they're getting for this stuff and what they're paying for everything. Um, you know, they got some pretty big names on board. So, I mean, I, I would assume they're just making some rinky dink service just to sell more iPhones. I think they're. They're really going to try to take on Netflix and Disney, which which is interesting. I'm I'm not sure that's the smartest move, but <laughs> well, you know, you know that's next- that's a strategy. How do you compete with Netflix and Amazon Prime? Do you give it away for free to to lure people in, or do you do three months free, or do you do six months free? Or how do you break into the market? Especially yeah. since they have a reputation of being family friendly. 
And a lot of people, uh, in my perception, are enjoying the kind of gritty original series on Netflix, and then Apple's going to come along with this family-friendly content, and there's going to be two edges to that sword. The first edge is going to be, it's Apple's brand. We do high-quality stuff. We don't engage in awful television, depressing, violent TV. The other side of the coin is is that Apple's too family-friendly. It's the, the new hallmark. Nothing there worth watching, no excitement, no tension. So they're caught between the two edges of that sort, I think. Well, you know, I'll just speak for myself. And, and we canceled Netflix recently um, for a few reasons. One, they keep raising the price. Um, two, uh, we just weren't watching it that much anymore. And we have other services we subscribe to or share logins for that, that has all the same stuff or other things we can watch. And, and the third thing is that Netflix is having increasing it, – it, it's not just that they have risque content. It's that they aggressively promote it. Uh, you know, one thing like, for like Adam Inks pointed out in an article on Tidbits about their aggressive like autoplay videos. Like you can't just scroll through content without having video blasted at you. And, and some of these little video previews are things I don't want my children listening to. Like mm. – like, well, well, I don't even know why I can say it. Like people, I'll just say people talking about various adult activities, and even if they blurp, bleep certain things out and they don't bleep everything out, it's still not. It's still stuff I don't want my kids hearing. You know, I don't even want to take a risk of them hearing. And and just uh, having a lot of content that I personally um, object to, you know, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, but, you know, yeah. And, and so, you know, I appreciate, ha- you know, I will appreciate having a streaming service that maybe is, I don't have to worry about as much. You know, and they have things like uh, Pure Flix, which, which is, um, you know, I think well-intentioned. But just to be honest, a lot of that stuff on there is crap. You know, a lot of it's bottom tier. You know, no offense to anyone who loves the Hallmark movies. I, I know a lot of people love the Hallmark movies. That's a lot of what they have. But, you know, to, to have a high-quality um, family-friendly entertainment on a service, I don't think is a bad thing. And I think there's potentially a very big market for that. I think that's Disney's uh, angle, too. Yeah, Parents, parents are going to be under uh, uh, un- unimaginable pressure from their kids to sign up for the Disney Channel. Disney yeah, Plus. I don't, I don't know how anyone's going to compete with Disney Plus. because <laughs> yeah, I know. They have such a portfolio. I mean, they've said everything Disney is going to be on there, which I'm really wondering just how how far they're willing to take that. Like, are we going to have song of the South on this thing? You know, <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, how do you compete? They say they're going to be cheaper than Netflix. They're going to have it, you know, and right now Netflix's biggest strength is all the Disney stuff they have. Okay. Disney, Disney plus is going to have all the Marvel movies. It's going to have all the star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty soon it'll have all the stuff they're going to get from Fox. I mean, it's going to have, of course, all the Disney movies. It's going to have all those TV shows. And it's going to be cheaper than Netflix. Netflix, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not a stock guy, but the advice I've been giving anyone who's, who invests in Netflix, short that thing now. Sell your stock or short it because they're, about, they're going to have a really bad time, especially competing not just against uh, Disney but Apple also. And see, I, and that's the thing about Apple's service. I don't quite understand where Apple's service is going to fit in. And they keep making content announcements. I and mean, we can go over some of them you know, here on the show. But by and large, none of them seem to fit together. Uh, you know, there doesn't seem to be any kind of theme except maybe 
you know, maybe family friendliness. Um, so it'll be, I'll, I'll be really curious to see just what exactly they're announcing. Cause it could be any number of things. If you were Apple, and, how would you price it and launch it to be competitive? Mm, how would I price it? Um, I would, I would make it exceptionally cheap for, for Apple device owners is, is what I would, I mean, I'm maybe not free. I don't think it's good to give anyway, anything away for free because then people won't appreciate it. And I think it's, there's also a lot of opportunity for Apple to provide, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity for Apple to provide bundles for various subscriptions they have now. Like they have Apple Music, they're gonna have this video service. Do you think they'll uh, bundle it with Apple Music so that you have to uh, you're strong armed into Apple Music as well, or, or will they separate them? I don't. Th- I'm not. Sh- I don't, I'm sure they'll force it, um, but I think there'll probably be some cost savings for you if you get both, and there may even be a cost savings if you pay for i. If you also get iCloud storage, or if you get um, if you or if you you know pay for an iPhone upgrade program or something like that, like at some point it seems like to make sense to me that they have a lot of subscription services and people deeply embedded in the Apple ecosystem. Yeah, and but so my, my, point, my thinking is is that if you put any friction point in front of the customer, it's going to be hard to ramp up to the thirty, forty, fifty, sixty million level. You got to make it just trivial, one click, and you're in. Yeah. No, that that I'll agree to. I mean, just like, you know, I was talking about earlier, you know, talking about how there's people don't want any friction when it comes to watching TV, you know, so the, uh, this is going to have to be a very easy process for people. I don't know. It, I'm really curious to see what they have because, you know, we, we've, of course, Apple can't really hide all the de- all the all the deals they've made in Hollywood because, I mean, you just can't keep that stuff under wraps. But we really have no clue how they're planning to package this, how they're planning to distribute it, how they're planning to market it. So, yeah, that's the, it, it's a huge mystery right now. And that's kind of fun, ain't it? I mean, it's not often anymore that we have uh, an Apple event where we just have no clue what they're going to announce. Like, you know, for instance, we know in June there will be WWDC. You already know that. We'll know there will be iOS 13 and Mac OS, whatever, and et cetera, et cetera. We know there will be a September event, and there will be a new iPhone. And we know at some point there will probably be a new iPad this year. This March event, John, we ain't got a clue. <laughs> and this is just the announcement. This isn't the rollout of the service. Our, my understanding is, is that the official ability to buy and engage the service will come later in the year, maybe as late as September or October. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, so we're going to be anxiously waiting, sitting on our hands for the service that so gloriously rolled out on March 25th gets actually available to us. That'll be painful. And then we'll be wondering when it's going to happen. Oh, is it going to happen at WWDC? Is it going to happen in the iPhone event, like you said? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, is that a point? I know Apple doesn't like to pre-announce things, but... Um, they uh, uh, they don't have a lot of choice here because everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone knows what they're up to. Because, like I said, you can't keep these Hollywood deals quiet. I mean, they're you know that that sounds like a sieve when it comes to you know uh, doing this stuff. So I'm I'm really really curious just just what exactly their their vision and their plan is. My fear, and I, I hope I'm wrong on this. My fear is that this is an excuse for Eddie Q to hang out with a bunch of celebrities. I hope that's not what it is. I hope it's actually like a coherent, um, worthwhile endeavor, and it's not just 
some goof off project that everyone's going to roll their eyes at. Um, well, I was asking get- myself before the show about why fundamentally Apple's doing this. And why is Apple, that used to be called Apple Computer Inc., now Apple Inc., what's the fundamental basis for this? And the only answer I could come up with is, is that it's an enduring, long-term revenue stream and services as opposed to anything else they might do. I mean, you might stop making certain kinds of hardware, but you'll always have an enduring video service. I mean, the movie-making industry has existed in this country for 120 years. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that's going to go away. And it's going to grow. I think there's two business angles here. One of those is, um, yes, there's a services play. And the services play, you know, they've been and, – and Cook's been pushing services for at least a couple of years. And very wisely because he almost exactly plotted it so that services came in to save the day when the iPhone revenue started dropping. So that that was some excellent mm-hmm. leadership on his part. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely a services play. It's also – I wrote a Tidbits article about this a few years ago. Um, I argued that Apple should have bought uh, Time Warner instead of AT&T. And I still think that would have been a good idea. Time Warner uh, Cable, not Time Warner Entertainment. Yeah. So uh, – well, AT&T bought uh, – don't they own? Uh, didn't they buy like the Time War? Didn't they buy the Time War? The Entertainment Center? Anyway, um, uh, but you know, back my main point is that uh, content is, is its own unique currency in and of itself, right? Like you can pour a billion dollars into creating content, and it may all suck. It's it's really hard to generate. It takes tremendous resources to generate enough content where just one thing is a hit, you know. And, and I mean, we've seen this countless times over the years. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, just look how many TV shows debut every fall and then they're they're dead by December. Um, and it's not that they're bad TV shows. Well, sometimes they are. Or you know, how many movies are are you know pushed out and and flop for various reasons. And it sometimes they're bad. Not always. Um, it's you know people never people never know what's going to endure. You know, like uh, are you uh, saying that Apple, a company that's accustomed to great success, is maybe not psychologically prepared to have some of these shows flop, even though they put a lot of energy into them? Oh, I think they're prepared because I mean they already planted the apps, and we saw how. I mean, does anyone even talk about that? But but my my broader point is that. For a company like Apple or a company like Comcast or a company like, uh, I don't know, like all these companies going into content at this point, it, it won't be enough just to have the money in the bank. It won't be enough just to have the, the patents. You're also going to want to have to own IP as a, as a trading chip, right? Like let's say at some point Apple wants to stream Friends, okay? I'm just using this as, as an example. Uh you know, Netflix is right now, they paid $100 million to stream Friends for one year. Okay, let's say Apple wants to show have that show. They want to show it, and they, they want to show it on the Apple TV. Let's say things get really uh, siloed to the point that, you know, it's kind of restrictive as to which devices get which services and what content. Okay, are you following me? I am. Um, I see exactly so where you're going. So let's say Apple has a hit show. Let's say, I don't know. 
Planet of the Apps season two. <laughs> I'm just, let's let's say Apple has a show that's every bit as beloved and watched as Friends. Okay, let's say that they manage to produce something like that, or like Seinfeld, or mm-hmm. you know, Frasier, any of the cla- classic shows people always want to watch. Right? Okay, it, if things are that siloed, a- Apple will have the option of going to, um, I guess, Comcast owns Friends, right? They they can go to Comcast and say, okay, yeah, look, we want to we want to show Friends, and we know you want to stream. I don't know whatever Foundation. show it is. Uh, yeah, okay. Let's say it's that. Let's you want to show this show, and we want to show that show. So can can we horse trade a little bit? Mm-hmm. Because, because I mean, uh, so and, and if anyone, in case anyone still isn't following, okay. Let's say, let's say um, uh, Apple wanted to stream. Let's say uh, I'm trying to, uh, let's say Hulu wanted to stream Star Wars, right? Okay. Once Disney has their own streaming service in place, there's probably no amount of money that would convince Disney to let another company stream that, right? Like, we know that Netflix deal is going away because strategically for Disney, there really isn't any amount of money that would be worth taking people's eyeballs or or taking their loyalty away from the Disney ecosystem, from the Disney streaming service, right? It's much more valuable. Branding is everything, right? Right. It's much more valuable to pull people into the Disney world than any, I mean, Unless you just offer just absurd amounts of money, like a hundred million dollars for you, but you know, so but let's say Hulu had something they could offer Disney, right? So uh, content, you know, in the future could very well be its own form of currency. Currency, and, yeah. And, and we're seeing that now. Like, like uh, the reason Netflix is going into ridiculous amounts of debt debt to produce content is because they know. The Hollywood studios want want Netflix gone, right? I mean, this has been something that's kind of slowly been happening for a few years, and now a lot of these studios, like Disney, are creating their own streaming services. So Netflix has known for a while that if it wants to survive and compete, it has to create its own content, and and so that's and and that's ultimately why all these tech companies are getting into content because um, as things become more siloed. As things become more fragmented, having your own content in your in your piggy bank, so to speak, in your vault, is is going to be its own currency you can trade with. That's right. So it doesn't make any good to sell an Apple TV if there's nothing you can buy on it. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Cool. I think I agree with you. I think I like your reasoning. Well, thanks. <laughs> we've kind of really beat that one to death too. <laughs> so um, I'm really anxious to see what happens on March 25th. I think it's going to be a big rollout. I think there's going to be an hour of uh, previews and stars uh, introducing their work and a lot of fanfare, and it's going to go on and on and on. I expect yeah. it's uh, at least an hour, uh, maybe more, maybe an hour and a half of of uh, serious hoopla and stars and discussion and long video clips and then finally how much is it going to cost and and then there'll be a little bit of time left at the end maybe for the apple magazine news service subscription Mm. service but no hardware Mm. that's what i'm predicting this is not a hardware event i'm gonna okay so i'll just spitball um i have no inside knowledge i'm predicting a two-hour event um I think we might see some hardware. I think it's possible. Really? It's All right. This is, I'm going to hold you to this. 
Oh, well, don't hold me to it. Uh, <laughs> this is a check that will bounce anywhere you try to cash it. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think we might say I keep hearing about an Apple TV dongle. And I'm going to tell you, I think if if the Apple TV is hardware has any future, I, I think Apple's going to have to release a cheaper version because right now, um, two hundred or so dollars for the current Apple TV is a big ask. Yeah, but how are you going to fit the 4K processor into a little chip? It's been done, and and even and even if it's just 1080p, I, if 4K. I've had several 4K TVs at this point. I don't think it matters that much, honestly. Um, oh, well, I wanted to ask you: Do you, all all this Apple content is going to be filmed in four, film, filmed, videoed in four K? Yeah. But do you think for those people who haven't made the leap to four K, Apple will offer an HD option and a four K option for those who do? Oh, sure. And, and I mean, will they be the same price? Yeah. Just click yeah, the box, be. right? Yeah. Yeah. Subscribe. Are you four K or HD? Just click the radio button, and you're done. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll scale down to 480p if if you needed to. Um, yeah, no, I don't think it'll be. TV can do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you'll just pay whatever the price is, and it'll scale to whatever screen you have uh, up to 4K. Um, you know, it, it will be interesting. You know, uh, of course, I'm sure all this stuff will be 4K and HDR, so I'm, I'm sure it'll look good. All of it? Do you think 100% of it will be Dolby Vision or just HDR10? Oh, I think it'll be totally Dolby Vision. I, hope I mean, so. if if Apple's, I mean, if Apple's producing it and they're writing the check for it, I think they're going to say, "Make this look the absolute best on the Apple TV 4K." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Why else, why else would you even bother? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're out of time. All right. Cool. Well, I really enjoyed the discussion with you. I really appreciate your insights. Thanks for joining me. Oh, hey, thanks for having me again. Tell the listeners how they can contact you if they wish. Oh, um, e- email John. No, um, you can, <laughs> um, you can, you can tweet at me. I am Jay Centers on Twitter. That's J C E N T E R S. Um, if you go to uh, tidbits.com, my articles are there, and there's contact info for me there. Um, or you can just email Josh at tidbits.com. I'll be nice to give you the email. Um, uh, also, if you go to takecontrolbooks.com, that's where my uh, that's where my books are at. If uh, if you're in the market for some writing or editing work, uh, go to joshcenters.com. That you, there you find my portfolio and all that stuff uh, and all the information you want to know there. And there's also a contact form for me there um, that a lot of people contact me through. So I'm a very easy man to get a hold of. Great, great. Well, thanks for joining me again. It was a lot of fun. Sure. Thanks for having me, John. Listeners, I'm really glad you came by. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode.